Welcome back to another episode of Tuxedo Time, where we wear tuxedos. And it is time. Special podcast edition. Special, yeah, special podcast edition of Tuxedo Time. We, it, we, we did our last episode on Tuxedo Time, what right. it meant. But we never said where we wear tuxedos and it is time. That's true, yeah. Yeah, it's time to wear So we them. have our tuxedos on, our special comfy clothes. Yes. Today, we're talking about traditional versus non-traditional jobs. I think we're qualified to talk about this because I definitely have a non-traditional job and you have a very traditional job. It's true, actually. We actually we probably are one of the few people who. Well, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that we're unique in that respect because there's probably lots of people who do the similar thing that we do. But yeah, we we both sort of straddle the realm of what people consider traditional versus non-traditional jobs. Mm -hmm. So for anybody who's not familiar with what we do, I'm a physician. I'm an interventional radiologist, and I did so. I did undergraduate degree in science, medical school, uh, five year residency. And I did uh, one year fellowship. A one year fellowship. So it adds up to about 14 years of post secondary education. I went to university for six months and dropped out. And then I went to uh, trades college to do graphic design. So I did a two year diploma program. Um, I did finish that and loved it. And then I freelanced for 10 years, self taught myself a lot of things, and then did YouTube. And now that's what I'm doing for a living. We basically, although we were on the same path life wise, mm -hmm. we took very different paths career-wise. And it's really funny, Chris, because I, I, I really feel like you could have gone any way. Like you have a very special brain where you have both sides of the creative world and also like the academic world. And when we were in high school together, you were making BMX videos and you were into photography and that's how I got into photography. So I think had you decided that you wanted to be a photographer or a video cinematographer, you totally could have done that and been successful at it but you always wanted to be a doctor yeah i was one of those annoying kids that was probably like eight years old and said i want to be a doctor and then just kind of that's what i did yeah <laughs> i was one of those kids who was like i want to be a doctor and then quickly realized that i don't learn the traditional way and that i'm just my brain just doesn't work like that so then it was like okay it's the arts for me which was the right choice and it made me the happiest i think i like your brain Thanks, I like your brain too. <laughs> it's really special. So you went the doctor route, I went the YouTube route. Um, tell me a little bit about how you feel about doing like YouTube as more of a hobby. Yeah, I kinda, that's exactly the way to sum it up is I do YouTube as a hobby. You do it as a full-time job. Mm -hmm. uh, but for me, I come home and the time we spend on making video YouTube videos, it's just sort of a, a pastime for me. Um, and I enjoy it and it's, it's nice because you really have to do all the heavy lifting and I just get to reap all the benefits. <laughs> I think I got the way better deal on this. No, I like, I like being in control of the stuff. Like sometimes it sucks because I want like a little bit more input from you. I, I really like coming up with ideas and having the freedom to like do, you know, make a podcast and then design all the things for it and make a website. And do you like telling me that I can't just do a drone montage video? Hmm? Yeah, I did tell you. I want to do a drone montage video. Well, you can do it. You can start your own. <laughs> you do tell make a drone montage video. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you can incorporate it into a vlog. I know you said you always wanted to be a doctor. Did you feel pressure from your family, like growing up? Like, <laughs> but I mean, like, I don't mean that in a racist way. But like, not. I don't mean to be racist, but <laughs> <laughs> you didn't feel that from your parents, right? Oh well. So to <laughs> unpack that a little bit, I felt a lot of pressure to perform academically for my parents. Mm -hmm. No doubt about that. Right. To the point where, you know, it, it, it grades were everything for us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, if you wanted to have a nice privileged childhood and have all the things that you enjoy, then it was accepted that you get good grades. Because right. if you don't, then there will be consequences. I don't actually know what happens if I didn't get good grades. <laughs> <laughs> Bad stuff. No. <laughs> so there was a lot of pressure to perform academically um, just because they sort of had a very... Uh, boomer mindset that, you know, oh, you need to work hard in school, get mm -hmm. a college education or university education because that's the key to life. So was it a university education or was it like specifically a degree? No. So, so well, so down here, um, I get the impression. By the down here, you mean in the U.S.? In the U.S., yeah. Because yeah. you grew up in Canada. In yeah. So I think what you did might have been similar to a, uh, like a community college I type so. program. Because mm -hmm. the, the, the term college versus university is used... College and university in the U.S. is more or less used interchangeably as far as I know. Okay. Um, so people will all the time say, oh, I'm going away to college, but it just means they're going away to university. Whereas up where we come from in Newfoundland, the, the 
term college referred to trade college, College of the North Atlantic, and right. university meant MUN, Memorial University. Right. So college was normally two or three years and university was like four. And after college, you get a diploma. After university, you get a degree and it was different. Yeah. I don't, I don't know a lot about how that works down here. But so, well, for all intents and purposes, I get the impression that that's sort of like equivalent to doing like a community college program. Well, what when I was talking to my friend Nick about yeah. it, who has a degree of like a, I think it's a Bachelor of Fine Arts. He has a degree in um, design. Design. He's got uh, a four-year degree in arts and graphic design. Yeah. So when I was describing my school to him, he said that I had what they would consider an associate's degree. I, I've never heard diplomas down here used other than the, the fact, like calling something a diploma is just a piece of paper, a generic term for a piece of paper that right. you can hang on the wall. Mm-hmm. Like I have, I have diplomas. Um, right, you, but there are also degrees. Degrees, degrees are within the term diploma. Anyway, yeah. nonetheless, we, I digress. So as far as feeling pressured to go to medical school, um, I didn't feel pressured at all. It was something, in fact, my mom actually, my mom and dad came to me at one point when I was, I think probably like studying for the MCAT or something. And they said, you know, just so you know, you don't have to go to medical school just because you've always said you wanted to go. And just because you think that we want you to go mm-hmm. they actually said you know you're doing a lot of like nice work in your bmx films you know if you wanted to go to film school or do something related to that if it'll make you happy then you can do that as an option it's a viable career option that many people choose they were very supportive oh, they were of super supportive side yeah and and at that time i was doing video work on the side basically to make money to well to have cameras and things like that Mm -hmm. and to essentially fund you know um keep money in my pocket kind of thing so but i i learned very quickly that as you probably also learned when you were doing other people's work that doing client work isn't the same as doing your own work no it's very different and for us anyway or for me anyway i just didn't i didn't enjoy doing other people it was a means to an end Mm -hmm. to get cameras so that i could have you know continue to make my own videos right now you were also doing weddings and stuff so had you gone that that path i'm sure you would have found something that wedding videos because i kind of went through that with photography like i was shooting weddings and events and i fucking hated it yeah and then within you know years i found real estate and found my niche but it just takes time but anyway right yeah Yeah. so i mean i probably would have found something there but for me the over i always viewed it as a hobby Mm -hmm. that i used as an outlet and yeah i did work part of that was work for other people to, to fund it to continue it so i could actually afford to do it but I realized that that doing work for other people was not something I could see myself doing because I would just drive myself crazy. Right. So I, you know, I, I, at that early time, I still have the same outlook now. It's you know, this is a hobby for me, and any anything else is you know, I, th- my primary occupation is medicine, and video is a hobby, and that's how I wanted it to stay, and that's kind of just what I stuck to. Mm-hmm. That was what I stuck to my guns. Stuck to your guns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you kind of went through a similar, uh, shall I say? finding a self-finding exercise i was in the mindset of wanting to be like a physiotherapist or a doctor or like something like that because i thought that was the way that um things were supposed to go i was supposed to go to university get a degree hate my job and then do fun things on the side and i don't mean that in an offensive way but like nothing was appealing to me so in grade 12 we had this career fair um, and a bunch of schools kind of came in and it was like, here are all the things you could do, the universities and the opportunities and stuff. Everything was like, oh my God, none of this sounds appealing to me at all. So I was like, oh, I guess you just go and you get your degree and then you have a career and then you may or may not enjoy it. And you then know, the majority, I would venture to say the majority of people though, hmm. do fall into that category. Right. A lot of people hate their jobs. It's true. I really didn't want to hate my job. That's the thing. Like, I don't think... Besides the marketing job towards the end, like I don't think I've had a job that I really, really hated. Like some, they obviously all parts of jobs bring you anxiety and stress, but like. You, you touched on an interesting point because so many people will say, uh, love your what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. It's bullshit. It's horseshit. It is horseshit. Because every single job that you do, including being a full-time YouTuber. Oh, there's still stuff that. Every single job is going to have shit. elements that you hate. Yeah. It's going to have elements that are rote repetitive and just overall shitty yeah and that's just that's life right and i would venture to say that if you didn't i, I don't know right here but someone someone's at one point kind of said something about along the lines of the, the sweet parts of life aren't as sweet without the sour parts or without the bitter parts oh it makes you appreciate the good stuff so much more when you have like 
the unfortunate shitty parts of a job. If you didn't have any unfortunate shitty parts, then what are you comparing the good parts to? Exactly. Then your good parts are only just, just, it's just normal. You get used to where you are in life. Totally. And, you know, that's one thing I remember from like first year psychology in university. Funny enough, they were talking about that, is that there were studies that show that people from all spec, the whole spectrum, the whole gamut of socioeconomic statuses all report the same levels of happiness, regardless of their income, with the exceptions of the ultra poor right. and uh, people who literally are trying to find food to put on the table. But once you hit like sort of a basic level of income, your happiness level is is more or less similar. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, how can that be? If someone's making this much versus this much, it's like because people get used to where they are in life, right? And people are very resilient creatures. And this is the same. I guess it's the same reason where you know someone wins the lottery, and then you know, they're just as miserable as before they win the lottery. So I feel like people's based on level of happiness are usually set as as a person. And it's very hard to deviate from that, even if you have massive windfalls in life. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's kind of a tangent. Yeah, no, no, I think it, it's true. And so it's funny because when I did finally, because I wanted to go to school for photography after that career fair, going back to that, but I couldn't because it was in Ontario and it was expensive. So it was like, what are the alternatives? So I went to university and hated it. My camera was in my backpack the whole time and I couldn't wait to get out and just shoot photos. And I wasn't paying attention because I was thinking about ideas and where I was going to go. And so it was kind of just like, okay, well, I obviously I can't do this. I can't do university. I hate it. I'm distracted. I want to be shooting photos, but I can't. So what, what are the other options? So graphic design, kind of popped up and I went to school and then it was like the first time where I was in school and I was like I love all of this right because there's no photography school in Newfoundland right Right. so there was a graphic design program that was kind of probably the closest thing yeah because there was a a photography portion of that program which wasn't until like later I think in the second year but uh there's still like a studio that I could use and there are opportunities for me to incorporate photography into my projects so it was the first time in my whole life where I was loving doing homework I would stay up all night like I couldn't wait to work on new projects in fact I sometimes I was making up my own shit because I loved it so much and I wanted to practice and I wanted to learn you were living design I was lit I was obsessed with it and I remember one point because I didn't do great in um high school in fact I had tutors for everything since junior high uh English math science like everything even you like you tutored me in chemistry because <laughs> I had no idea what the fuck I was doing who taught you moles and millimoles what? Avogadro's number? Uh, nope. I oh, come left. on, Beck. <laughs> I blocked all of that shit out when I left. But yes, it was like the first time where like my mom was like, did you do your homework? And I was like, you don't have to ask me that ever again. Because yeah, I did my homework. I couldn't wait to do my homework. So I did it and then did more homework that I didn't have to do. So it was just like, it was like, oh, wait, there are things that you can do that you love. But then the job kind of ruined it a little bit for me. So how'd that all happen? Yeah, so I went to school and I graduated and I love design so much and I competed in uh, Skills Canada, which was like a trades competition and I, I felt like it was just like my thing, you know? Um, and so when I graduated, I got a job. So you put JPEGs in your embedded in, in design that, file? Listen, you make a mistake like that, <laughs> you never make that mistake again. <laughs> I feel like I, you can hear my mouth noises. I got to like... Moisten up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to hate editing it. When I graduated college, I got a job at a marketing company and my parents were really excited and I was excited to like have a career. And I I almost, I hate that I felt like this, but I almost felt like I had something to prove because I went to a trades college, because I only did two years of school. I was like, well, I can make this work. I can be successful without going to university and getting the degree, you know, which is a really dumb way to think. But I think coming from... But not when you, I don't hold that against you. I don't blame you for that when you consider the mindsets that most people have, especially you know, from, from the boomer generation that, yeah. you know, for them, it's, you know, college was the key or university, a full degree or, you know, actually university degree was the key to moving up the social ladder. Yeah. And it was like the key to having a consistent and safe life. Right. But now everybody and their mothers got degrees. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think if you, it, I would probably venture to say that 70% of people didn't have a college degree in our parents' generation. Yes. But now it's probably more the other way. Mm-hmm. I'd say the majority of people, or at least half, probably. And I, I, I have no idea where the numbers would come from. And right. Someone can probably look it up and verify this. But I think the general trend is that most or m- many more people have degrees now. So you've got this sort of 
academic inflation where mm-hmm. everybody's racing to get these. It's these... like what makes you stand out because everyone right. has these degrees. The so baseline like... is raised now. Exactly. Yeah. And it's way more difficult and it's way more competitive. Right. My parents were always really supportive of me doing that, like doing, you know, doing what I wanted to do, especially when they saw me happy and liking it. They were like, okay, you're fine. Um, were they, I think they were very, they're very traditional people in and of themselves. Yeah. Well, I think like the feelings that I had where I felt like I was trying to prove myself, like I got a job, a big career and blah, blah, blah. I think it's, it's because like, and my parents never said anything to me, but that, you know, I come from like, my mom is a nurse. My dad is a pharmacist. My grandfather was a doctor. Like I come from a family of people who went either went to med school or became like a medical person. They were all like academic based. Yeah. It's an unknown thing. I mean, you're, it's the life of an artist, you know, if you don't have a, like a career and you're freelancing, it can go either way. And I've seen it go, you know, good it's years, a less bad years. well-blazed trail. Exactly. So anyway, I don't remember where I, where I was going with that. With you're the, talking about working at your marketing job. Oh yeah. So yeah. So I got this job at um, the marketing company and I worked there for like a year and a half. And, you know, at first I really liked it and I was, you know, trying to prove myself and busting my ass because I really wanted to be an art director because I was like a junior designer person. Suddenly, I don't know, I, I guess I started getting taken advantage of because I was working fast and I was on salary. So they didn't have to pay me hourly. So I was always the one kind of like staying in late or coming in on the weekends to like finish jobs. And then I just felt like I was being overworked and it was sucking the creativity out of me. Like I would go in and be super excited to work on a job. And this is the way it goes in marketing jobs. There's so many people and so many projects and stuff, but I'd be working on a, on a, on an account and I'd be super excited to go in to work the next morning start. And then within an hour, they'd take it away from me and the art director would finish it. And then I'd have to work on some other shitty thing. Like checking a file or, or doing final art on a file, which basically meant I took the mock-up where all the low resolution pictures were and I would replace them with the high resolution photos or the comp. Yeah, the it's, comps, all, it's all scut work. Scut work, yeah. It had to pay your dues sometimes, you know, and you had to do those things. But that wasn't what I thought design was going to be. Like not every job is going to be glamorous. Like there, there's always going to be that shitty. I venture to say that no jobs are 100% glamorous. Well, it's funny because like when I was freelancing, I had a client who was an interior designer and I always looked at that career as like with rose color, like glass, you know, it's just like, it looks so amazing. You get to design all these rooms and pick up furniture and do all the fun stuff. And they were like, oh no, that's like 5%. The, the rest of it is like managing projects, dealing with contractors, ordering shit, trying to please people. It's like, there's all this other shit that went along with- Tip of the iceberg. T- yeah, you're only seeing like the little finished end part and you're not seeing like all of like the bottom that's underneath the ocean kind of thing. So I think like with design, the fun stuff was getting taken away from me and given to the higher up people. So I started freelancing because I was like, well, I want to be on my own so I could do all of it myself. I wasn't allowed to freelance, but like, we freelanced anyway because I was like, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. But I need, I was like, for me, I was like, I need to start making money outside of work so I can justify quitting because my parents are going to lose their shit if I say, hey, I'm leaving my job and a consistent salary and I just bought a car, take a risk and work at your kitchen table. And your Uh, parents are very risk averse when it comes to things like that. So I totally get where they would have come from. And we started the screen printing studio around that time. And I think in the last episode you were talking about like, at what point do you become a freelance or a um, full-time YouTuber, it was like, oh, that that was a point where I was like, okay, now I can become a freelance person, be a self-employed. full-time freelancer? Full-time freelancer because I'm sleeping on the floor of the studio because we're up late at night trying to get these orders done and I'm calling in sick to work the next day because I can't handle it. And they're bringing me into meetings and saying, you need to stop doing whatever you're doing outside of work because we can tell that you're tired and you don't care. And at that point, I was like, it's time for me to move on and I quit. It was funny because when I did, when I quit, my boss basically told me that I wasn't going to be successful that a t because at the time we were screen printing that a t-shirt company wasn't a career path basically and he said that I couldn't be a photographer without going to school and getting a degree well I think you proved them wrong when you were hired back on a freelance basis right yeah. to do photography no that's true which yeah. is the ultimate irony really yeah so what did you gain then from that career I mean there must have been what 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 points of knowledge as you get from it? I think I learned a lot from watching how the business worked. Actually, I think I improved my skills by working under an art director um, and working on a lot of different weird stuff that I had never worked on before. When you work on stuff that's like outside of your style, you gain experience. Definitely true. So I, yeah, because I was designing a lot of stuff for myself and like kind of artsy shit, but like at the marketing company, I worked on tourism stuff and I worked on car stuff and I worked on 
um, university stuff. So you're doing different styles, you're doing different types of projects. So, you know, brochures, websites, I designed a game graphics for a game once. I think I gained a lot of experience there and felt like I grew as a designer and knowing kind of how the company worked in the tiers of it, like with the teams and who did what and what the roles work. You got to see it from, see the industry from the inside. Yes, that's right. Yeah. But, um, so I think it was, it was invaluable knowledge there. I have no regrets. I'm glad that I did it. And I think it was important that I did it because it allowed me to, to realize that that type of career wasn't for me. The what ifs mm -hmm. are a very strong thing sometimes. Yeah. And that's the funny thing about the career path I chose versus the career path you chose. Like yours was very clear. It was, oh, it's a very, it's a very well blazed trail. Yeah. And it's definitely like once you get past the hurdle of getting into med school, and then residency. Re yeah. And then fellowship. I mean, there's definitely hurdles. And not saying that it's easy. Yeah. No, not saying that it's easy, but it's definitely like 10 I years. I know what like, the, these next are the next step steps. Is. Right. Right. It was laid out in front of me. I had a trail map and I just had to put buckle down, do the work, make the cut. Right. And every step was an, it was another cut. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of likened it to um, every step seemed like I was at the bottom of a mountain. Right. And you get to the top. And then, so for example, finishing undergrad. Okay. It's just, four years this mountainous four years of work ahead of me i gotta just get good grades volunteer you know aim for med school and then you finish you get your degree and it's like a big burden lifted but then you're like wait a second now i gotta try to get into med school so then mm -hmm. it's like oh my god now i'm at the foot of another mountain so i get to the top of one then it's another one and then you get in, you get into medical school and then you think oh my god i'm home free here we go then there's a mountainous four more years of, of work then you know your licensing exams all the individual exams and then you get to the top of that and you feel like you've you've sort of climbed the top of another mountain and then all of a sudden there's five years of residency like what <laughs> such a grind and there's another mountain and then you're you're in this specialty you're trying to learn which is completely different than medical school medical, medical school like you might i might use like 10 five percent of what i learned in medical school if that right in my daily job but it's like you need the foundation in order to get to the next mountain kind mm -hmm. of thing and then you're looking at you know you've got five years ahead of you and i'm seeing terms that radiologists are using that i had never even heard of yeah and you're like done at this point I, I i'm a doctor at this point i have an md after my name but like i can't do anything because i don't know anything enough to practice anything legitimate so mm -hmm. you're in residency learning how to actually practice as a functioning specialist and then you're, you're hearing terms you've never even heard of. And you're like, oh my God, I'm never going to learn all this. And then over, it's a five-year grind to the end. And then you finish it and you're like, oh my God, now I'm a radiologist. But then it's like, oh, well, you've got to do subspecialty training in order to be competitive. Mm -hmm. So then you go and- Because everyone got degrees. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's this academic Same inflation. Yeah. And then you're, you know, we go to Vancouver for that year of fellowship and all over again, I'm like, oh my God, this is, it's now a one year of mountain, but it's like equivalent to three years of my previous mountains because it's so intensive, you know, getting up at, going to the work at 6 a.m., not getting home till like 10 p.m., just grind, grind, grind. Mm -hmm. And then you finish that and then it's like, oh wow, now I have to find a job. Yeah. You literally <laughs> so, like eat, slept and shit like interventional radiology <laughs> that whole year. I like how you described it as like a mountain, like climbing a mountain, because I feel like for me, it was more of a maze. Um, that's a great analogy yeah because yeah. i mean when you think about it but do you so it's such a huge time commitment for you to say i want to be an interventional radiologist as you said like all the years of school have you ever felt like what if i get you know seven years into this 14 years of post-secondary and hate it and then like do you feel like you have to keep going because a you told everyone you wanted to be a doctor b you already got into med school and then c you're like this amount of time in so you know, I was lucky know? enough not to have those thoughts, but in confidence, I've had friends who have totally had that thoughts or have had friends that they've told me about their friends who sort of have that, you know, can't turn back mentality now. Oh, that scares me so much. It's, it's the sunk cost fallacy, you know, where people say like, oh, well, I've dedicated seven of my 14 years, so then I might as well just finish it. Or even if they get, they dedicate 13 out of 14 years like well i've dedicated 13 years of my life i just might as well just finish it in, for that one year but and depending on why you don't like it that's all sort of individual factors but if it's the job you don't like because training and job are two totally different things what yeah. were your expectations my life is awesome right now compared <laughs> to what my life was as a medical student as a resident and as a fellow i remember watching you every step of the way 
and it's and it was painful a grind all the time always people talk about hustle culture that is hustle culture yes like i feel you like i feel lazy right now you're like wow i don't even have to study i can go out for food i can like i feel guilty well i don't not anymore but i remember guilty. when you finished when Very i recent. when i finished training and was working in the real the quote-unquote real world mm-hmm. um and in my final form <laughs> you fool this is only, this is not even my final form <laughs> <laughs> It's so like working as a full-fledged interventional radiologist and like I come home, I have dinner with my family, we go watch a movie, we watch Netflix, we go to sleep mm-hmm. or we go out on the weekends and do something fun. Yeah. Like I, I almost felt guilty. It's like I should be doing something now. Right. And so I kind of filled that void with, with our own projects, you know, mm-hmm. renovating a house, going on, you know. But you've always been the type of person to have side projects. Like true, I feel true. like you would be idle as fuck if we didn't have like the YouTube channel. What would you do? You'd be napping all the time. Yeah, exactly. I need something to you fill. Need I need something. something to fill the void. Well, yeah, you need something to like tickle your creative brains <laughs> oh it tickles no. <laughs> that was weird, <laughs> yeah, was weird. Yeah, okay but we're going on all sorts of tangents here it's yeah like, it's like you said the maze yeah but i think my my pathway was very well blazed it was a very well-defined pathway yeah i didn't always say i knew i wanted to be an interventional radiologist from since i was eight years old mm-hmm. you know because there's so many different avenues in medicine so my my thought on that is that there's so many different areas if you can you'll probably be able to find something that you enjoy if the idea of medicine, if you like that idea and you can get behind it. So, but there are people though, you know, they do these programs and they get so far in, they have this sunk cost effect where they feel like they have to finish it. Yeah. But then the thing is, okay, so first of all, it's not 13 or 14 years wasted. No, I I am a big believer that any education, even if you drop out is not a waste at all. I feel like you can pull things from all of the things, like experiences that you had in the past. I say this all the time. Like right now, currently, I'm not practicing graphic design, but I am doing graphic design for myself, whether it's thumbnails for YouTube, product design, website design, whatever. But I'm so glad that I went to school for graphic design and gained all of those skills because even though I'm not doing it for other people, it's like I can easily throw together some shit in Photoshop or like a a nicely nice looking PDF you know, contract or something because I have the skills to do it. So they right, weren't it's transferable wasted. skills. Exactly. And education and experience, in my opinion, changes the way you think or molds the way you think. So mm-hmm. anything, even though you, yeah, you've sunk 13 years into this, you are who you are because of that right. in some way, shape or form. So you'll take that experience and you'll transfer it into some other aspect of your life. It's just, it's just char- it's character building. <laughs> I'm going to ask you this and we'll take a break, but what is your like piece of advice for somebody who's committed to going to school and has spent four or five years and then are like, I really don't like this, but are afraid to make the change? So that it's interesting because the path of least resistance oftentimes, despite it being harder work in the long term, is to stay the course and to just keep going with, with what you're doing. It's harder to actually change your course because it, it's scary. There's fear of the unknown mm-hmm. and you've got to actively look for something else. And then there's just a lot of what ifs. Right. Uh, so I always have said, I respect someone a lot if they feel like they're unhappy and they make a change in their life, regardless of what it is. Mm-hmm. Much respect to people who can do that because they can, they're really just kind of taking life by the by balls. The, yeah. Well, I was going to say by the horns, but yeah. <laughs> we know who the disgusting one is. In this but, but, with that said, also, I think that people also need to realize, yeah, sunk cost is real because you have dedicated time to it. And it's a shame if you quit your quit where you are now because you hate where you are now, but only because you think that your rest of your life is going to be that way. And I can tell you right now, residency is 100% different than functioning as a fully fledged staff radiologist like mm-hmm. it's 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 night and day i mean the your life is so different the general work is the same mm-hmm. but it, just the s- things that stress you out are different right and your life quality of life in my opinion goes up when you become a staff radiologist your stress becomes very different the whole fact of like realizing that you are the only person between a lot of times between this person doing well and not doing well life and death really mm-hmm. and you don't have a a person you're training under to, to sort of fall back on. Right. Like you're the only one there and whatever you say goes. And that's the only thing that's, you know, this person that's, this person puts all their faith in you at that point. That's really fucking scary. That is scary. Especially as a fresh grad, you know, out of school. Now it's, you know, it's, that's just life, mm-hmm. but it's a different kind of stress. Like before it was always, I was always stressed out about like, Oh my God, 
I can't mess up because my staff person will get mad. Yeah, and you need to do well so you can get a job and like right. And you gotta yeah. you gotta still make good grades. You have to get good evaluations mm-hmm. because that's gonna make a difference on whether you get a job or where you get a job or whatever. Right. But now it's like it's always it's a hundred percent. If I don't do well, this patient does not do well. Right. And that's yeah. You think about that obviously as a trainee, but it's it's not as real when you've got somebody above you who's always monitoring what you're doing and sort of pulling you out yeah, of yeah there's no safety net now exactly there's yeah. no safety net and that's that's a different stressor altogether but mm-hmm. as far as life is concerned it's totally different and i think that it's a shame if somebody stopped doing what they're wanting to do because they think that where their life now is representative of what their life will be right and many careers might be that way yeah but for me and my experience it's it wasn't that way and, and obviously i'm glad that i pushed through it because my life now is exactly where i wanted to be mm-hmm. and it was worth worth the, oh, the 100, hustle 100 percent. it's yeah. like like i feel like Gary Vee says this all the time. It's like you have to eat shit for like however many years. Oh, I ate shit for 14 you years You ate straight. fucking shit for 14 <laughs> years. Yeah, oh, 100%. And I watched it and I could never do it. And I have so much respect for you for pushing through and maintaining like a positive attitude through everything that you've been through over the last 14 years between like studying and call and exams and, you know, job loss and moving and starting, you know, being on your own. I would never be able to do it. So like, props thanks man yeah high five (laughs) but you know it's funny too and i was talking to donna about this the other day like sometimes i complain about the things that are happening in my life like oh premiere crash and then this and i lost my project and then somebody said that i was fat on the internet and i'm hurting and then i tell you that you're like oh yeah like some 20 year old came in today with breast cancer and i'm like oh fuck (laughs) none of my problems matter (laughs) well again it's all relative and it's I think we mentioned it earlier in this podcast about how people get used to, they're used to their current environment. Well, that's what you always say that you're like, that's your reality and you're allowed to be upset about those things because you can't always just be like, oh, there are people dying. So you're not allowed to be upset about something that made you mad. Right. And I I kind of thought about this before as as someone said, I heard somewhere, and I don't know if if this is true or not, but it kind of raises the point that that wedding planners are one of the most stressful jobs in the world. Mm -hmm. And as opposed to like a trauma surgeon, which I think that's probably pretty fucking stressful too. Yeah. But it's what you're used to. Definitely. And I can see that, you know, someone's, uh, you know, a, a wedding's not going as planned. You've got a, a couple. The biggest day of, you got a well, couple who are freaking out because, mm-hmm. like, you've ruined their biggest day of their like. That's stressful. That is stressful. Yeah. I also think people put way too much emphasis on the wedding, but like that's that, a that's a, yeah, that's a yeah, different thing altogether. Yeah. yeah, it's not our cup of tea, but right. I get that people put a lot of emphasis on because that's their day and that's right. cool. You know, yeah. more respect to them. But, um, you know, and I've just like I've had stressful days when you know I've lost a coil in somebody's body and I can't get it out. And I'm there for hours trying to retrieve a metallic coil from someone's lungs or something, you know, mm-hmm. which is, that's stressful too. Um, oh, that's very stressful. <laughs> I have anxiety thinking about that right now. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, whoopsies, my head, it's not working out. That's actually only <laughs> happened once to me before. Yeah, <laughs> and it sense. actually only, it only took about five or 10 minutes to, to get out. But anyway, nonetheless, there's, yeah. there's, there's, there are stressful moments in any job and it's what you're used to, I think. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. All right. So why don't we take a break and uh, pick this up when we get back. So we're, we've been kind of talking about traditional versus non-traditional career pathways and how you and I have been kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum there. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the trend of people dropping out of college because that's a big thing that's kind of i guess reared its head nowadays yeah definitely i feel like if you want to be you know a filmer or a photographer or whatever and you're in school for something else it's yeah it's popular for people to drop out and then try to learn online and make it happen i consider myself a photographer and i did not go to school for photography and i am now a youtuber and i make videos every single day i did not go to school for video i didn't even learn video in college i learned video from watching you edit bmx videos <laughs> i mean i guess if you're spending money on college and then you could spend money on you know online courses and video and gear then yeah okay maybe but you had to commit to it then you know yeah it's going to be a grind no matter what you do and regardless if you choose college or not college you still have to put the work in mm-hmm. if you don't then you're not going to get anywhere yeah, there's going to be a few cases where people have windfalls and they get lucky. But for all intents and purposes, you have to always put work in in order to get somewhere. Right. If the question originally is, how do you feel about people dropping out of, or the trend of dropping out of college? Is it really any different? Is it just that more people are going to college now who didn't go to college and maybe weren't suited for it because they're feeling pressure from our parents' generation? Mm-hmm. And that's probably, 
you know, more, maybe they shouldn't have made the decision to go to college in the first place. Right. Yeah. So I think that that's also a factor, you know, where they pressured to go in because they had parents who right. were, who valued it and yeah. felt that was the de facto standard way to guarantee that you have a good income in life. Cause I guarantee you now that that is not the case. And there are a lot of people graduating with crushing student debt and well, no prospects for a job. That's the thing. It's like you get pressured into going to college so you could have a degree because you have traditional parents, but you spend $200,000 going to college when you could have spent a quarter of that on online education and practicing things like taking pictures or making videos and doing the online tutorials and things like that. And then by the time that four years is up, if you put the equal amount of work in, I do you're think, probably better off. I do think though that in the US, and, and that works great if you're planning on being self-employed, which not everybody wants to do, mm -hmm. but if a lot of employers do value a seeing a, a degree on a resume because at least yeah. they, to them, they don't give a shit what your degree's in unless it's a specific professional degree that, you know, obviously they wouldn't hire me as a lawyer yeah. uh, or an engineer because right. I, <laughs> well, I have he, a medical degree. Yeah. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, I think most employers, if they see someone who has a degree, it just means, okay, this person was responsible enough to buckle down for X number of years, mm -hmm. get the work done and graduate. Yeah. That tells me that they have a good work ethic. Right. And that's, or they can, they can do this. Therefore, they'll probably be a hard worker at my job. Mm -hmm. Is that a perfect correlation? Probably not. But it just, it's just one more metric they can use to separate people. And if there's two applicants who are equal, you know, in a creative position, equal portfolio, um, but one has a degree, one doesn't. It's they'll pick the degree. They'll probably pick the degree. Yeah. yeah. Well, so that's what, what I was kind of going to say is because I think it depends on the end game, you know? Like if you want to work at a marketing company, like I would suggest go to school for mar yeah. for design. Or if you want to work on like a TV set, then maybe you should go to school for production. But if you just want to do freelance jobs, then if you put the work in, you can do it yourself. But yeah, totally. You gotta be a bit of a self-starter though, because you have to go find those opportunities. Exactly. They're not gonna fall in your lap. The other thing is, and I think I had like a brief argument with my mom about this, is like uh, uh, some people think that you can't get a job without a degree, which I don't think is true in the creative world. I think, yes, if you have two applicants who are equal in all aspects, portfolio or whatever, one has a degree, yeah, maybe they'll pick the degree person. But if you're going in as a single person, you know, and your portfolio is fucking deadly. You're in a creative position, like they're probably gonna pick your portfolio because the work is what speaks for itself. Whereas like in some other careers, it is dependent on the degree and the marks, you know? Yeah, and that's traditional versus non-traditional exactly. careers yeah. probably. Right, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, some, and the other side of it too is I think someone DM'd you at one point and was like, I really wanna do photography. I'm in high school right now. I, I just wanna drop out and do it. It's like- So you cannot drop out of high school. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna like, I'm very passionate about this. Do not drop out of high school because you wanna be a photographer. You can't do shit without a high school education. <laughs> like, no offense to the people who didn't, like, you need to fit kids, finish high school. It's like, we're talking about dropping out of college, like, after high school. You had to finish high school. That's yeah. like the bare minimum. <laughs> and people will say like, "Oh well, it wasn't like Casey Nice at a high school dropout." Yeah, yeah. So people will. He's like, like an anomaly, though. Yeah, you're always gonna you're always going to have a a uh, a bias towards these like a select you know a confirmation bias. You're gonna see these outstanding cases mm -hmm. where one person out of five hundred thousand did crazy leaps and bounds. Yeah. But realistically, the general consensus is like, dude, if you can't muster up the determination to finish basic high school education. Yeah. Sorry, man, but you're probably not going to go far in life. I think Casey was, I, don't think I, think he, I think he dropped out for extenuating circumstances, like he had a kid or something yes, that, that, and had yeah, to support a family, which is a, a bit different. But if it's like you're saying, oh, I just don't like high school. And I don't want to do it. Yeah. It's like, it's like no, man. You have dude, the real world is there's going to be so much in life in photography or not mm -hmm. that you're not going to like and you're going to have to do. When you're in high school, you have time to do photography on the side. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. Every like, every, like going back to the mountain analogy, like yeah. high school being the first mountain, if you will, that was the smallest mountain. I had so much free time yeah. to do everything I wanted to do. I don't mean to offend anybody about the high school thing. I'm just very passionate about finishing high school because I, th I do think it's really important. You decide at 17, you're gonna drop out of high school to be a photographer. And then you turn 30 and realize, hey, photography is not for me. I think I'd like to go back to school to get a degree. Or now you gotta go back and do a, gotta, a general equivalency, whatever. Now you gotta finish high school first, and then you have to go to college. And then it's like, well, why, didn't, why did you drop out of high school? It's like, finish high school. If you don't wanna go to college, fine. If you wanna drop out of college, fine. 
getting back to traditional versus non-traditional pathways, I think the overall theme and the way I look at it is there's no right or wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. We've just chose opposite. We just chose opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And I think either way you go, you just need to work hard to make it work. It's true. And, and it's also one of those things where people will say, well, choosing uh, a non-traditional job is way more risky than choosing a traditional job that has a well-blazed career pathway. And to that, I would say not really, mm-hmm. because you choose a traditional job, you've got more people going that route yeah. um, because it's well-blazed. There's going to mm-hmm. be more people following that trail. Um, so it's going to be more saturated. So you're still going to have to stand out in order to be a top earner in your, in your bracket and or well-accomplished in your area. So you're still going to have to work hard. Um, but and generally speaking, though, it's going to be, a, you know, you choose a long pathway like medicine. There, there's risk in that every single step and rung of the ladder, it's, you get the, the, the applicant pool gets cold. There's people who are dropping out mm-hmm. and not making the full journey. So the risk is you're, you're, you're starting on this well-blazed pathway, which might be longer, but you've just spread that risk out because you may not make it the whole way. Right. Whereas if you say, oh, I'm going to be a full-time YouTuber and you go all in on that, that's a lot of risk up front, but you're, you know, you could still have it, it. It's all at once kind of the risk if you make, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you'll kind of know within the first like two to four years, whether it's going to work out for you. Yeah. And also too, the, there, there is a bit of a gamble in a sense that if you're gonna be full-time YouTube, um, you really can't predict the longevity of your career. That's true. So the goal is to, I feel like in that case is to, um, create a product that's timeless and that grows with you and then you have your audience grow with you and that's mm-hmm. not the easiest thing to do no. and there's a lot of risk that it could all come toppling down channel could die and in less than a year your career as a full-time youtuber could be gone which is kind of scary for a lot of people mm-hmm. um at the same time you don't necessarily have to put in 14 years of university work to get to the career it's just that you have to do you have to kind of pull all the right levers, do all the right things, and then still be lucky. So there's luck involved in all of this. Definitely. And there's hard work involved in all of this. And mm-hmm. it's just a matter of how you want to mitigate the risk if you want to spread the risk out or if you want to go kind of all in. And that's kind of, there's no right or wrong answer. And it all comes down to your personal preference. Um, okay, we're going to take a really quick break. And then when we come back, I want to talk to you about who does what in our social media presence and how this whole shit with you being a doctor, me being a full-time YouTuber affects our relationship. Ooh. Okay. okay. Spoiler alert. She does all the work. Welcome back. (laughs) You (laughs) (laughs) I am currently full-time YouTube, non-traditional. You are currently a full-time doctor. You work 8 a.m. in the morning till 6.30 usually p.m. at night. So that you're not here a lot. When we make content for the internet, we film on the weekends. During the week, I edit them and I post on social media and I run our Twitter account and I interact with the people. That's why you changed our Twitter handle to Becky and then in parentheses and Chris. Chris. I did, yes. Well, people are getting confused. They're like, I don't know who I'm talking to. And I'm like, it's obvious it's me, but it's not obvious. It's confusing. (laughs) I'm an effeminate male and you're a manly woman, so they they can't tell who. It's like the same voice. Anyway, well, we're going to make a full podcast about this, having a joint channel and all the things that come along with that because God, there's like a lot. But I do all the things and um, for me, it's definitely a job. For you, it's, it's a hobby. And so when we go on these like trips and we film, you know, um, it's work for me and it's still fun and it's hot because I love it. But like for you, it's like, let's make a video about our trip to Arizona. It's fun because we're going to go document our thing and that's your hobby. But then for me, it's like our vacation just turned into You editing work. videos. And filming videos and com- what is the idea? What is the story in this video? How are we going to title it? You know, so it's like, it's not just like documenting the thing. It's kind of creating a production out of it exactly and so then it becomes work which is fine but it's a little bit challenging sometimes when we do those things i think yeah i mean you have to do all the work i get to reap all the benefits i've said it before (laughs) i'll say it again you you do all the work on the social media and i just reap all the benefits of it yeah well you know i think like i and i like doing it and so i would still like whatever trip we go on you know still film it because i want to document it for our own thing but sometimes it's really weird because Um, You might want to make a video and I might just be totally done with video for the week and just want to chill and and relax. And so sometimes there's like this kind of give and take with both of us. It's like, I need you after work to come and help me with videos because we're working on the series. Um, And then there's sometimes we're like, 
we're going on this helicopter trip and I want to make this video, but, or you want to make the video, but I don't because I just want a fucking vacation. <laughs> and it's like the 10th helicopter video you've done that month. Oh and everyone's like, we love helicopters. I'm like, fuck, I don't want to make the same video again. Well, it's difficult to, to have variety in it, you know? Yeah, it is. It's the same, you're sitting in the same spot. Mm-hmm. You're shooting all the same angles. You know, and realistically, it all looks the same when you're in a bubble in the sky with a relatively wide-angle lens. Oh, yeah. So it's very difficult to to make it different and engaging. It is, yeah. But I think you do a good job with it. Mm -hmm. But I I think it's, again, not over-harvesting the grapes. Oh, 100%. Yeah. (laughs) Is that this podcast or the last one that we were talking about? I can't remember. It's just a big blur now. Yeah. 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 So I just, I kind of wanted to talk to you about that because, like, you get home sometimes and are excited to make a video or you're exhausted. And sometimes you come home and I'm like, we need to film this video tonight. And you're tired. You're fucking burnt. Like you've been working all day. You're burnt out. You just want to sit on the couch and not talk to somebody. So there's this kind of like weird thing where like sometimes I have to make the video alone. So that's why you'll see sometimes videos of just me because you're tired, you know, (laughs) or like you want to make a video about FPV stuff. And I am so not into that. But I still have to be involved in some way or else it's just not going to work on our channel. I'll edit that one. Some, You'll edit it, but I, we'll I still collaborate on the idea. I sometimes edit videos, rarely, but every now and then there'll be a video that's edited by me. Yeah, usually it's like an FPV one or if it's like a really heavy tutorial that's really technical. But even do. then, you'll still do all the, like, the clean all the shots up. You'll color yeah. everything. You'll still do the audio. I make you do, like, all of the shitty work where you, like, go through the footage, sync everything up, cut it down to, like, what you want to say. And yeah. then I'll do everything else. But it's weird, You man. don't find that like the same role as you had when you were doing production work for other people as a graphic designer in your old role? Like it's old so job. different doing stuff for yourself because I am going to finish it. And I guess like, it's still cool, for it's ourselves. Not, it's not going to be like, oh, can you change a track? Oh, I don't like this. Can you change that? Like there's no revision process. It's just... Right. It's still our channel. It's our channel. Our content. And we can make whatever yeah, we want. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something I was just going to say then. I can't remember what it was. I know that you want more interaction from me though when I get home. I mean, you've said it on multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. And I think we've kind of come to a half medium where I try to be more engaging if I've had a long day. At the same time, you all oftentimes will say, do you just want to be alone? Do you need space? Do you want to just hang out? I I definitely think like, I mean, we've had civil conversations about the way we feel about it. And they have to happen when you have a joint channel, which we'll talk about, you know, at another time. But yeah, I think it's like sometimes I come to expect, you know, I want more effort. I want help with the storytelling or, you know, let's a collaborative approach on a video. Cause I do think like some of our videos could be way better if both of our brains were full firing on them. YouTube is not your priority and it never will be. Your job is your hundred percent priority. And you've said that before. People ask you if you're going to be full-time, you don't want to be a full-time YouTuber. I do, but you don't. I still want to read the benefits of, I just want to skim. You just want to be the pretty face on the camera. I just want to, I just want to be the, the pilot. Yeah. I, I just skim off the top of the sweet stuff. And then you do all the legwork and the heavy lifting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's like come to a point now and we've had the conversations behind the scenes of like, even though I want more from you, I have to understand that you give it your all at work and I need to give you space to like, if you're tired and burnt out to just be alone, or if you're not feeling like being on camera, I have to be totally okay with going on camera myself or doing a live stream by myself or. I don't know if burnt out is an accurate term. I I associate the term burnout with sort of more of a long-term overbearing feeling of your uh, rewards from a job is not worth the effort you're putting into it. And therefore you're just it's sort of like an occupational depression, if you will. Right. Yeah. So it's not so much burned out, but you're just physically and emotionally exhausted. I think just some days are harder than others. And sometimes, like with any job, you're going to have days where you've just been drained of everything mm-hmm. and you've given everything to your job that day. Yeah. Where the days are lighter and you get home and you're like, oh, it's great. Let's go, you know, do go something. out and do something, you know, yeah. film a lot of videos, whatever. And it's unpredictable. Like we could plan to say film a video and you could have a really difficult case and come home late. Yeah, like there's something just... that people don't realize is that there's no end time for my day. Yes. It's I stay there till the work's done. And if I got a patient on the table and I have a really difficult case later in the afternoon that runs on and on and on into the evening, ain't nobody else come, you know, like we have people yeah, on it's, call. It's all on you. Yeah, and, and I do have uh, colleagues who back me up that are on call. But, you know, if, if I've got a case that I'm familiar with and it's just a matter of, um, you know, finishing it, it's kind of shitty to, to pawn that off on somebody else. Uh, we've got them there for, for, for extenuating circumstances, but if I can finish a case myself, I'll mm-hmm. do it. And I've got colleagues that feel the same way. So we have a good mutual understanding and sure I bailed people out and people have bailed me out in the same way. They've come in and tapped me out. Um, and sometimes it's better to just have a fresh 
person in on a case. But right. you know, with that said, you know, you can't predict the days. Some days are harder than others. But I think that it's. I'm glad that you respect that hmm. and don't expect too much from me. Well, sometimes it's hard because I get excited about a video and I want to do it now. You know. And then if you're and not... I come feeling, home, I'm a piece of shit. I'm really tired. And it's sometimes <laughs> like, come on, we have to do this. But then also, like, it's not your priority. And I think that's why, actually, it was very difficult for us, like, to monetize. And it still is sometimes where it's like, you might set up a meeting with a brand after work, but your case runs late and you can't make it. And then I have to do the meeting alone. Or, you know, we agree to do a sponsored video or something. And there's a deadline, but you're on call and you're you end up getting called in all night and you're exhausted by the time you get home and you don't want to be on camera and then you're working and it's just like, you know, it just doesn't work. So it's, it's really hard sometimes on, on that side of things. It's like, I want to be the full-time YouTuber and do, you know, the sponsored videos. But I'm stuff. pulling you down. No, you're not pulling me down. But I, it's just something that we have to communicate with brands when we work with people that, hey, like our schedule, Chris's schedule is unpredictable. So I can't guarantee you that we, like that it's going to be both of us for this meeting or that both of us are going to be in this video. I think that most people realize that though, because when they talk to us and they reach out, it's you who they talk to. Right. And it's, you're the face of the company on that side of things. I'm really just in the videos. (laughs) Not really. I mean, you are very good. On 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 a separate note, someone, I think I've gotten a couple messages to the effect of, um, a couple DMs to the effect of, how do you uh, be a full time? How do you be a YouTuber and also a doctor at the same time? And I was like, find a wife or a husband that is a full time YouTuber and marry them. Yeah, you would not be able to do this. <laughs> no. without me. you would be so. You oh, have no, no time. No, exactly. You don't even have, yeah, you don't have any time. Exactly, like I said, you're doing all the work. I'm just reaping the benefits. <laughs> well, on that note, I'm gonna reap the benefits of my bed because I'm tired. So I think uh, this is a good conversation. Interesting conversation. I don't think I have anything else to add. I think we covered a lot of ground. All right. So thanks for listening again, guys. If you like the podcast, rate it, review it, whatever the people tell you to do. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you liked. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter and uh, let us know what else you'd like to hear on the Tuxedo Time podcast. Yeah. Let us know on Twitter. We'll uh, we'll field some... Some Some topics. Some topics. At Becky and Chris. There we go. Okay. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you on the next one.